Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. To the races. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Four Lone Dopes. I am one of your hosts, Cyber Smiley. Greetings, programs. I am the other host, Wisdom. And uh, we are very glad to be back in this new year. Hopefully, things go better this year than they did last time. I, I agree. <clears throat> um, uh, we got a lot of plans for this coming year, and we're we're currently lining all of them up to try to uh, bring more more interesting uh, interviews this year. Um, we have a few people on the hook that we're slowly setting up to be uh, joining us in coming episodes. Uh, also, we'll be continuing to do our uh, reviews of all the books as well. So. Tonight we're actually going to go off schedule because next week we have a, a special guest coming in. Um, so yeah, to uh, the plan is we're going to have uh, Ross Wynn, <clears throat> a veteran of Artalsorian Games and uh, friend of the show, and the model for uh, Solo of Fortune too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the cover model of uh, Morgan Blackhand for Solo, Solo Fortune 2. It's the truth. So, we'll be interviewing him next episode. Uh, however, tonight you get the two of us talking about the Corporate Report books. Um, however, before we get started with that, we're going to talk a little bit about um, Cyberpunk news, what's happening in the various medias, uh, what's going on with the game both games the tabletop as well as uh the computer game so if we want to get started uh let's get started with cyberpunk 2077 so today or yesterday they dropped another update for the pc which really wasn't an update it was basically an improvement for uh video settings that's if you have the latest and greatest video card you can use it, and I'm sure there's just a handful of people out there that really this is impacting. Um, for all us other ones who are on old systems from three plus years ago or on console, this uh, update really doesn't have too much for us. I, I am hearing that this update has messed with some people's games, so be wary. 
as with anything, uh, as with any update, there there are going to be bugs. But hopefully, you... they will get those ironed out. Did you hear that it was affecting console games, or is it just uh, PC games? Oh, just PC games. Yeah. As far as I know, console games didn't get any kind of updates. I know I didn't see one. Yeah, there's a, a YouTuber I watch. Um, Juicehead, I think his name is. Ooh. Possibly. Anyways, um, he does a lot of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, and he did a quick review of the update. Um, he noticed some strange stuff going on as well. Uh, with certain of the settings, but overall, he, he thought it was a drastic improvement uh, for for some users. So, uh, the other thing around Cyberpunk 2077 is they also dropped out or dropped the list of bands that won the competition uh, for the new radio station that's being DJed by Sasha Gray. Um, her DJ name is Ash, Ash, I think, just Ash, in the in the Phantom, uh, Phantom Liberty. So, yeah, you gotta think it's, that I, I, that I, I very much like Sasha Gray's voice, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. That's as smooth dulcet tones. Yeah. So with that announcement, the question now becomes. How quick are they going to plug and play that information, and how soon uh, Phantom Liberty is actually going to be uh, distributed? Right. <clears throat> so, well, I mean, I was under the impression that we still had one more update before the DLC drops. So, well, I could be wrong on that. Yeah. Um, back in my days when I used to play. Um, World of Warcraft, they usually dropped a uh, patch, right, a month or two before they went live with the, the next release, as it were, or the next version of the game. Yeah. So, whether or not CD Projekt Red is going to drop it a month in advance, a week in advance, a day in advance, or day of... <laughs> Uh, all of those are, are viable options. So I have a, but I have a feeling that Phantom Liberty is getting close. Um, I don't see it coming out this month, but it's quite possible next month or within the next two months. Yeah, the police update is uh, something with that new patch, which is going to be interesting in how they they do it um i know there's already modders out there who've done amazing stuff uh with the game uh i'd really like to see uh cdpr take bethesda's uh tack and support the modding community with the consoles like that would that would be very interesting yeah and i and that's you you, did, you don't know the the issues that they might have around modding for for console right because their console launch was just so horrible that might I'm wondering if they're kind of like yeah we we really don't want to touch that <laughs> quite yet 
or, or get involved with it. Right. So, yeah, uh, but it's, you know, wishful thinking. You know, who knows, right? Once they go to uh, real engine, you know, I, I don't know what what the capability is there. But again, I think <clears throat> I think the whole console game was something that they were trying to get better at with the launch of Cyberpunk 2077 and didn't have the right people uh, on it. Um, so it, it's it's one of those things when you know when you're hiring people and they're like, yeah, I've, I've worked on this for so many years. Um, have they done something as ambitious as what CDPR was doing? I'm sure there was a lot of, and you saw it, right? It took what a year and a half plus to to get the councils really working, right? And that's oh yeah, and that's after calling in, you know, Sony and and Microsoft and getting those companies to come in and help them fix their their brokenness, you know. It was definitely an issue, and. uh like I said, wishful thinking. Yep. I doubt I'll ever will ever see it. Um, they've probably got. Uh, I mean, honestly, there's many things that are going to take precedence over yep. that. But, but, uh, yeah, I can always wish. And to finish up, I have a feeling that you know, within the next, I wouldn't. I would say before summer, we're probably going to see. Or get news on on where Phantom Liberty is because <clears throat> word is there's a lot of QA um, drops being done within uh, Steam, so there's there's a lot of QA builds that usually indicate that the release or the production release, as it were, is coming soon. Yeah. Um, moving on to other media. So, uh, I'm trying to think. The last, the only thing I've seen that I watched uh, recently when it comes around to cyberpunk was uh, on Netflix. There's a, a Korean uh, movie called Jong Yi, which was basically, it's kind of a little far future, near future. In which the the world kind of has been so polluted that humanity had to flee to space, and similar to like the uh, orbital facility that was in Elysium, in which there's the ring of of habitable uh, places uh, exists, and apparently there was a war, and I'm not quite sure if it was a war between AIs and humanity. Um, but basically, you know, <clears throat> the premise is uh, a great warrior from the the war between them, uh, a, a team of scientists led by the daughter of this hero, is trying to replicate and, and copy her mother into into super soldiers, right, to help Ooh. further the war. It was a pretty good ser uh, show. I would. It's definitely cyberpunkish, right? 
So the mother eventually, because they downloaded her brain, the mother eventually becomes, understands what's happening to her because they keep on brain wiping her and, and taking copies of her. Um, it, it's definitely a, a good movie to watch to give you some inspiration. Well, I mean, Korea's got a pretty good track record at putting out quality movies and quality cyberpunk movies. I mean, they gave us the sky blue anime. They gave us natural city. So, uh, I always look forward to checking out, uh, most movies from Korea. Plus they do revenge stories better than anybody on the planet. Yeah. So. Would you consider squid games a cyberpunk story? You know, it definitely is a uh, dystopian future near, like, there's no, yes, I would. Um, but then again, you know me, my uh, my definitions of what makes a, a movie cyberpunk are a bit, a bit looser than most people's. <laughs> but yes, uh, Squid Games was near future, obviously dystopian. There was some crazy stuff going on. So, yeah. It fits. There you have it. From our words to your ears. Squid <laughs> Games is is a cyberpunk game that you guys can create for Cyberpunk Red or 2020 or, or whatever cyberpunk uh, I mean, game you run. Yeah, I could definitely see that plot fitting into any, any cyberpunk campaign, to be honest. Uh it's not like that stuff was was broadcast over national TV. It's not. Uh, it's not battle royale or, or Hunger Games. Uh, it was purely you know criminal underground type stuff. But yeah, I could definitely see that taking place. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't think I've seen any TV shows. I've been watching a lot of uh, dust videos. Um, and if you don't know what Dust is, it's a YouTube channel that does they, uh, sci-fi shorts. Yeah, they've put out some really fantastic shorts over the years. And, and the, some of the quality of those videos is is top-notch. Um, yeah. So if you haven't heard of that channel, but <laughs> go check it out. Just type in Dust into uh, YouTube and you'll find bunch of cool videos sci-fi videos that you can go and check out uh, other news I think the so from our last show to this show uh, our Talsorian did put out a post um, around five days ago so in that post and, and I wish they broke it up into two blog entries so so the first part of it is them addressing the whole uh, OGL uh, situation, which you know you and me talked about last session or, or last episode. It's <clears> kind been of going on that long, long. man. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> two weeks ago, right? Or don't you remember we had no, an episode this this, are... this this year? This is our first episode of the year. We no, it's not, dude. No, we didn't. <laughs> Not. We I did so freaking lost. We did uh, the the guide to the net two weeks ago, dude. 
or maybe three weeks ago. I, for, I forget what the schedule was, but yeah, back in in January we did a show on uh, the 18th. Yeah, two weeks ago. Huh? My <laughs> brain is is not here today. You'll have to forgive me. <laughs> and I'm the one who's like working like 50 hour weeks right now. Um, it's true. It's true. But we've had ice storms here, and I've I've stared. I haven't left the house in like two days. It's 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 awful. Yeah. It's all Good. time is bleeding together for me. Go out and stretch your legs, buddy. I do that, and then they freeze solid, and then I have to smack them against the wall just to break off the ice. Yeah. So <clears throat> a week ago. Uh, actually, there's been two uh, blog postings. Um, one is a, uh, a DLC that they did, which I don't think we talked in, about in the previous session, which introduced more drugs uh, and a yeah. new drone and, and some cyberware. Uh, Hornet's Pharmacy. <clears throat> so Yeah, that's uh, apparently Cody's... Uh, I don't know if it's his PC or his NPC, but that's, yeah. that's I, I, Cody Pondsmith's personal project there. When you're a referee, your PCs is your NPCs. They always bleed together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the drugs are have some pretty interesting effects. I, I like that they're kind of getting into street drugs um, because that was one of the, really one of the, the main components of 2020 which i'm glad there's they're continuing um bring it as more of an adult theme type of game yeah we're, we're getting to that one we'll, we'll be bringing that up here right now uh the second part of their ogl post was uh them announcing that black chrome has been sent to printers and yep. they've been slowly giving us previews of what to expect. Um, very excited about this one. We've been waiting for quite a while for it. 20, uh, tw 2010, 2011, somewhere around there? Uh, I mean, I didn't hear an official announcement about Black Chrome until after after the video game was announced in 2013. So it wasn't yeah. quite that long ago. but There was rumblings. Uh, yeah, it was there was rumbling. Um, yeah, we're we're very excited, and it 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 looks pretty good. It looks like it's going to bring some uh, some of that gear porn back to the game. It that you know me, I desperately think it needs it. Yep, and I think one of the sections seemed like it it was delving into um updating the ec ec economics of the system um which no offense to to R rtj or 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 the writers is i just i just can't it needed it yeah i mean i well we'll see what it, what the system is but um i just i just I'd prefer to have set values and, and being more, sorry, less simplified, less streamlined when it comes to economics, because that's where, you know, the system really 
is geared towards a player <clears throat> really wanting to customize and, and get involved with, oh, it costs this much, or I'm just $10 short of acquiring this, um, because it's all about economic or the economy, right? So gear, buying gear, buying cyberware, uh, purchasing stuff. And the other component um, for character advancement is skills, right? Versus other systems, which, you know, you have levels, you have <clears throat> a bunch of other progression that you want to do. And I think by simplifying economy, it, it kind of simplifies the advancement system with the game system, you know? Yeah. Uh, I agree with you. It uh, the economy was one of those things I I struggled with trying to figure out what they were trying to achieve uh, with red. So anything that fleshes that out a little bit more is is more than welcome. Yeah. And I think um, some of what uh, our Talsorian wrote with their OGL is kind of uh, some of the stuff we said, right? Um, yeah, or even stuff I've said in public before is, you know, it's very hard for RTG to, to do an OGL because a lot of their products aren't, aren't necessarily owned by them fully. So it then becomes if a independent writer is going to write something about the world it's not just our Talsorian that you need a blessing from you. You got to get a blessing yeah. from other people. And, um, you know, it's now a, a commodity. It's a brand. It's an IP that is kind of very hard to distribute. And <clears throat> the other thing which they brought up and I, I've said before is, you know, the, the, they were kind of RTG was kind of the first, uh, company that tried to promote, a very open generic system um, I know GURPS was very GURPS tried to do a very generic system but again they were trying to hold on to that IP whereas our Talsorian produced Fusion I think Fusion used to be free as a, a PDF but yeah that... it did and <laughs> uh, like I know lots of like at that time for, for several years Fusion was open license um yeah lots i know i know several people who, who put out books for fusion uh, i don't know what the current state of that is since they've gone back to what they're calling interlock which really resembles fusion more than interlock to me but uh yeah there's some there's some weird twists and turns with that that i'm so i'm not really sure where that all stands yeah and and the other thing i want to say about like the whole open or ogl with our tire story right <clears throat> they do um have avenues in which creators can get compensated um yes sure your your product not necessarily can be um you can't put stuff behind a paywall but there's other ways, right? You have Patreon that you can still produce stuff for free and people will give you tips or 
or provide you money you also have you know your own brand that you can kind of <clears throat> make merch that that associates with your brand that you can uh, purchase stuff and the other thing is you know with drive through RPG and and that I'm not saying you can <laughs> I would definitely talk to our Talsorian um, they are very open they will listen they will respond do not think that you know you, you, you shouldn't talk to them and, and get their approval because I think one of the <clears throat> I, I don't know if it was a I think it was a reddit post I was reading in which someone was asking about how our Talsorian does OGL and basically <laughs> the one of the comments was like oh yeah take a look at Wisdom site and, and Cyber Smiley site and <laughs> see what they've done with with the homebrew rules granted me and wisdom communicated and basically asked for blessings um from rtg yeah they gave us the blessings and as long as you get a blessing you should be good right uh, and, and tell them what you're trying to do well i mean i think the main thing is that one you're not trying to make any money off of it you're not claiming to be official um and you know those are the two big things like you can't claim to be officially affiliated and you can't try and make money i think i think they're pretty open to pretty much anything else i i haven't seen them go after anybody who wasn't doing one of those things yeah, and if you uh, have a product oh and obviously don't plagiarize like don't yeah. like copy word for word out of the books or anything like that and again, if you do, make sure that you're working closely with our Talsorian to make sure that, you know, they're aware of it. Because, like, you have, um, like, for example, the, the um, uh, mobile app for uh, Red, the, the uh, Cyberpunk Red Companion. Yeah. Don't so step the, on toes. Well, the developer there has an agreement with our Talsorian. Um, I don't know what kind of licensing they have, but you know, there, there's always that situation in which you can talk to them, find out what they're looking for, and if they're interested. <clears throat> and I remember when uh, Red came out, there was a uh, someone created a, a program deck, right, which was cards that had the various Netrunner programs in it. And someone published it as a PDF, and our Tarsarin came along and said, "Hey, we'd like to have that, you know." So, so there's yeah, putting yourself out there, um, at least to begin with, not thinking you're going to get money, but showing our Tarsarin what you're capable of is is a possibility of you being contacted by them and them wanting to to work with you and, and you know compensate you for your work so and yeah there are avenues you can take just uh yeah like we said don't step on toes and and try and communicate as much as possible yeah I, uh, rob is saying that his uh artist friend was the one who uh, created those cards And the companion app. Yeah. So. 
Uh, they the 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 art for the cards uh, first appeared on here on Cybernation Uncensored. Um, thanks, Rob. It's always good to find how things uh, came about, but yeah. And our tests are they're a great bunch of people to talk to. Um, don't be afraid to reach, try to reach out to them. It might take a while for them to respond. They're a very small team. They got a lot of stuff going on, so don't be surprised if it, it takes them a couple weeks before they respond. <clears throat> I know with Jay Gray, it took me several attempts to to communicate with him to get him on for our show because he was just he was so busy, you know, getting DLCs yeah. ready, communic, you know, creating all the communications, also working on the various products and stuff like that. So. Um, anything else in cyberpunk media we should be talking about? Uh, I think that covers what's happened in the, that we've missed. Have you seen any cyberpunkish type of, uh, movies, TV shows? Uh, I mean, just peripheral, just things on the peripheral, like, uh, the last of us is off to a really fantastic start. It's not cyberpunk, but it's certainly post-apocalyptic, and uh, that to me is adjacent, especially with you know cyberpunk twenty twenty in the nomad community. Um, yeah, if you haven't checked out Last of Us, you probably should. It's fantastic. Oh, I, heard. Um, I haven't I haven't seen much else lately. It's. Uh, it's it's been a weird month for watching anything. I just trying to get caught up on so much crap going on that other things tend to fall by the wayside. Yeah, I was listening or saw something. I forget where I saw it, uh, but there's a movie called Nomad Life that someone talked about that was supposed to be kind of very. You'd definitely be inspired uh, to be oh. a nomad. I mean, I definitely like the name. <clears throat> uh, Frances McDormand is in it. Hmm. So she's been a, a few things. Oh, is that the one where uh, she's got like a van and she's driving around? Yeah. Like the van life type thing? Yeah. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen ads for that. It did look interesting. So supposedly that's kind of a, a good inspiration of like nomads. I, I should definitely check it out before our next session uh, for the uh, for your game. There was a uh, there was a documentary about you know people who follow around. I don't remember if they were following fish. Or the Grateful Dead, the surviving members of the dead, probably fish, but yeah, it was very. Uh, the touring life was very uh, nomad inspirational. I mean, it's part of the cult. The, the, the followers of the dead are just—they've been doing it since the '60s. <laughs> yeah, like, and they'll just go from one show to another, just living life on the road like that. Yeah. 
And I think um, Fish is like the next generation. And I'm not sure who's going to replace Fish. Because Fish is getting up there in age. Yeah, and Trey Anastasio has, has talked several times about wanting to give it all up. Take it easy for a while. Uh, I'm not I'm not much of a fan of Fish's music. Um, I like some of their early stuff, but uh, apparently their live shows, even if you don't like their music, their live shows are worth are worth seeing. Especially all the pharmaceuticals that you can acquire before the show, I'm sure enhances the experience. I mean, I do like jazz, so jam bands do appeal to me uh, in in a live setting. Uh, And yeah, pharmaceuticals are always a plus. No, no, we we should not be saying that. We are. Yeah, we do not. We do not have one opinion or the other on whether you should imbibe in illegal substances. Um, imbibe. Legal substances, by all means. Legal substances, yeah. Stick to stick to legal substances. There's plenty of them. In moderation, and with doctor's consent. Always in moderation. <laughs> That's the cyberpunk life, right? That that is in fact the cyberpunk life. Be responsible. Do everything in moderation. Yeah. Uh, obey the uh, obey all the rules. Substance over style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, yeah. Of course. Brush your teeth. <laughs> Always wear clean underwear. Three square meals a day. <laughs> Three square meals a day. <laughs> All right, so posted uh, traffic rules. Yeah, so let's get into it. So tonight's All right, corporate report, volume one. Hopefully, we'll get through all three volumes. I cannot guarantee that it's two hundred and sixty-four pages of content and there is a lot of content in each one of these books um it's so very true so keep that in mind um the first corporate report uh was written by william moss yeah another longtime veteran um And there's... Honestly, this first book is like if you're looking for lore to tie into the video game, especially about Arasaka, you know, this is where most of that comes from. Yep. Um, before this, Arasaka was really just like a background bat. Uh, this really fleshes out who they are, what they're doing, and. Uh, what their plans for the future are. And I think this also, and I tried to do it myself, um, these books actually give you kind of a template if you want to create a corporation of your own. Uh, And do one thing that I think a lot of new GMs are afraid to do is to come up with their own corporations and, and become 
a mega corporation. Make the world your own. Don't necessarily follow uh, follow the norms, right? And you, yes, you're gonna get some people who'll be like, "What? I've never heard of that corporation. That that's garbage." Um, but this kind of gives you each one of these kind of gives you an outline of what you can think of from a corporation. The only thing is just come up with a, a certain industry in which that mega corporation concentrates in. Um, and I've attempted that several times throughout my campaigns. <clears throat> yeah, never be afraid to, you know, come up with your own stuff. Uh, a lot of a lot of GMs, especially in the beginning, want to try and tie in everything from the canon material. Um, especially these days with the with the video game and the anime, everybody wants to wants to stick as close to that as possible. And there's nothing wrong with that, but never be afraid to to add your own spin to anything. Um, be it coming up with a corporation from whole cloth. Or, uh, you know, just taking something real world and, and expanding upon it. Definitely. Uh, I know in my games, Monsanto is still a huge problem. Uh, and I've created several, several corporations. Some of them, you know, are just there for one campaign and never really heard from again. Others, you know, they... Uh, stick around and become a major part of the world. And I think reading through these books will get you inspired to create your own. But so yeah, the first section <clears throat> of the corporate one is Arasaka. <clears throat> and pardon me. Chewed on something that's not agreeing with me right now. Uh, sorry to hear that. Uh, I know. The uh, first section, um, a new jungle, basically just uh, more than anything else, um, sets the mood for corporate life as a whole. Uh, it, it's talking about Arasaka, but it it. It gets into the culture of corporations, and it's it's an important section that uh, really, like I said, a lot of this stuff hadn't really been been presented in such a manner before these books. Uh, and in the early '90s, that corporate culture it was still very much a yuppie thing. Um, yeah. Well, so, I, I think the corporate culture is definitely lasting into today's world. <clears throat> now, true, granted, but at there's, the time, it was a fairly new thing. Yeah, like, from this came out on the heels of like Wall Street and uh, and and films like that. And and I think it also came out of 
how the the business world was evolving at that time right so in the 80s and into the early 90s you know japan was was considered quite quite the mammoth when it came to the corporate world um granted the sustainability of the japanese corporations did not necessarily last uh because they had a, a major major financial crash in the 90s in the mid 90s to late 90s um yeah but in the future or in the in the in the future of the as seen by the 80s they they were like you said monolithic the, the idea that they wouldn't be uh like the controlling interest in the future was was foolish like nobody could have foreseen the crash and uh the collapse of that japanese corporate influence across the entire world And of course, you also have the <clears throat> the concept of the Europe being the main source of all financial stability uh, when it came yeah. to to the world within cyberpunk. So the the article basically starts with off with Arasaka. Um, it gives you some of the high level uh, information about them, uh, which of course is also in the main book, um, and they try to follow it a little. Uh, it gives you a history of Arasaka and how where Saburo comes from uh, in his his beginnings as it were yeah and uh i mean it goes back this is actually where like everybody considers 1990 to be the point of divergence but this book takes it back much further than that with the introduction of saburo arasaka uh all the way back to the 40s yep where as a young man he was a uh kamikaze pilot he just didn't get his chance. Well, he also saw what the world was really going to be um, and how it was going to... I, I, well, I think he, he saw <clears throat> from, from at least a Japanese point of view what the world really is and uh, and, and how to achieve power and that's where you slowly gain the power and, and it's interesting that you know Arasaka is known at least in, in the game as the security corporation but <clears throat> the reality is they started as a, a banking firm that got more involved and, and that's where their finances grew And it's interesting that, you know, they, <clears throat> in the history, they didn't go with the, at the time, what was it, the Zaibatsu? 
uh, type of corporation, which yeah, yeah, that would have made much more sense. And in fact, that's the direction I took it in my own games. Yeah, it, it, they're just part of this. They're the they're the they're the front for the huge for a huge Zaibatsu that just basically controls everything. Yeah, it would have been nice to see that, like them explaining, okay, this person married off to this person, and which acquired this corporation that Arisaka pulled in, because <clears throat> that was the that was the big thing back in in the eighties and nineties, the whole concept of the Zabatsu. And granted, now you know corporation monopolies are are commonplace. Uh, Back in my day, monopolies used to uh, be seen as a threat, and steps were taken to dismantle them. However, today, it's a little different, which speaks yeah, towards just kind of ignored. Which speaks towards the prophecy of uh, Maximum Mike and the mega mm. corporations. <clears throat> so yeah, so it gets into the history of. Um, Arisaka, and then it talks about the their main products, right? Which is this whole security, manufacturing, and banking. Um, and also, <laughs> one of the other great sections is uh, about a page and three quarters talks about Saburo's plan. Uh, and if you want to understand, if you're if you're coming from a Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven. Uh, definitely read this and, and get this. And for those who don't know, do not go to eBay and try to get a corporate uh, report. Go to either our Talsorian site or Drive Through RPG. Um, yeah, you'll if, get it a lot cheaper. You're kind of crazy completist who has to have a first printing. Don't go straight to our Talsorian. Go to Drive Through RPG. Go to any other source other than eBay or Amazon, because you will end up paying just ridiculous prices. Uh, we can blame we can blame the hype from the video game on that. Books that were going for like ten bucks are now going for like two hundred, and there's really no need for it. Well, I've, I've seen. Oh, what was I saw? Somebody wanted $250 for Cyberpunk 2013. And they list as... Without the box? No, it was with the box. Oh. Without the rule book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Wait, I'll see that. Y um, you want me to pay how much? Three figures? For, for something <laughs> For something that doesn't even have the rule book? Yeah, be, be very careful. There are other avenues to find stuff. Unless you're looking for something super rare like, you know, the 2013 box set complete or the 2020 box set complete. Uh, most of the books, most of the books themselves are easily obtainable through our so, so you got the box set for 2020? I've got I've got two copies of the box set for 2020 and two copies of the box set for 2013, uh, but none of them have the dice. Oh, actually, I say that 
that's probably not true because now that I've seen what the dice that looked like came the, that came with the box looked like within twenty I probably twenty thirteen. Yeah, because they weren't they weren't special. They were just kind of some ugly dice. Yeah, but twenty twenty were they different dice? Were they? I don't know. I, I don't think twenty twenty came with dice. So the box set with twenty twenty didn't have the dice. No. Oh, okay. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, like, and I've looked on the box, there's nothing that says that it contains dice. Okay. I, I, I over on my Discord, someone posted the the 2020 box set, and they were like, "I could be I very wrong. Find out um, if they have dice." Actually, well, it was. Uh, it was funny. So one of my bunnies has the original 2013 box. <clears throat> and I posted a, a comment that, you know, someone was actually selling the full set. I forget for how much. It was It was less than <laughs> than that first one. It was like, I, yeah, think, oh, sure. I think it was like $100. Um, but included the dice and they showed a picture of the dice, which was basically a blue, like a navy blue 10-sider and a, a yellow... Uh, six setter, and my buddy yeah. who has the original set, he's like, "Oh, that set didn't have dice." I was like, "No, according to this article, you know, this uh, poster for eBay, these are what the dice looks one at." Of them he's definitely like, "Definitely came with dice, and one of them I don't think did." He's and like, I want to say it was the 2013 book that, or the box set came with dice, and 2020 did not. Yeah. I, I could be wrong, but um, that's definitely been my experience so far. All right. So moving along, now that we went off of that diatribe, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, talks about uh, Saburo's plan as well as uh, Arasaka's enemies and allies, and then it gets into the NPCs. So you actually have stats for Saburo, at least in 2020. Um. He is very weak physically. Yeah, he's an old, old man by that yeah. point. He's like 100 years old. Well, the other thing is he has an attractiveness of two. 2077, he was kind of good looking <laughs> for an old man. Yeah, in 2020, all the images of him are this really weak, feeble old man who... Uh, you know, he's blind in one eye. He's just kind of a mess physically. Uh, the fact that he lives another, you know, 50 years after that. Um, Is a testament to the technology. Yeah, I mean, in 2020, he was very, like, personally against cybernetics. I know that. Uh, he has several pieces of cyberware in him. Um, yeah, but not as much as you would expect from a dude in his position. Trying to maintain power, trying to put forth a powerful image. Instead, he, he remains this, this frail old dude. Yeah, but, you know, the, the more cyberware, right, is... Uh, he doesn't have human human perception, which I'm surprised he doesn't as a stat or as a skill. 
because his empathy is yeah the eight slash five are really basic yeah but for me he is cold and calculating but i also think he can read people very well so i would have given him some human perception probably like at least a five if not greater yeah you would think that that would be necessary i mean anybody who commands legions like that has got to have some kind of perception yep um and of course you have the the other culprits uh k arasaka who i guess he he didn't die in the fourth corporate war but he died soon after that's no he did I thought he was still alive. Well, immediately after, um, yeah. at the end of the corporate, at the end of the fourth corporate war, uh, Spider and Shiten, uh board Case submarine and they force him into a Soul Killer program, which is why I believe, uh, I think that's what Arasaka is looking for in the net is uh, in the in the dark net is they're looking for wherever Spider hid his template and instead they found john that's my personal opinion well they had johnny because they soul killed him well supposedly right <laughs> the problem with with the whole cyberpunk 2077 is you know everyone makes this hypothesis of of what is the truth and you know maximum mike is constantly like well, I mean, the only... is it the truth or is it just Johnny's interpretation of what he thinks is the truth? Well, here's the deal on that. Johnny gets cut in half on the roof of Arasaka Tower. Well, in the corridors of Arasaka Tower. Um, it's very unlikely that Arasaka themselves would have grabbed him at the moment. It's, it's far more likely that Spider Murphy did it herself. Um... We know at some point, we know Johnny's memories are unreliable. We know that Arasaka had his template. Um, we don't know how much of that template was implanted uh with false memories we don't know mm -hmm. how much we don't know when that interrogation actually took place right so we do know from uh cyberpunk red that at some point all of johnny's possessions were in the uh were collected by like this fangirl of his i don't remember her name off the top of my head but uh, and then, you know, Arasaka and Adam Smasher obtained them afterwards at some point. Yeah. So, <clears throat> yeah. So, um, in the NPCs, you're just going to see uh, Kat, uh, K, Hanaku, Yorinobu. You're not going to see anyone else. That, that's familiar from 2077 so keep that in mind um, they also have NPCs for or NPC stats for the various corporate corporates that would work within the, the facility um, 
the other great thing about these books is they kind of give you NPC stats for security yeah. <clears throat> as well like as the average, the, dudes. Yeah, the average dudes that you can actually plug and play into your game. Um, it also gets into the corporate market strategy for the company, uh, specifically for all the different segments, right? So they have a strategy for the security, for the banking, for the manufacturing, and various public relations. <clears throat> the one thing I found interesting was the uniforms and equipment that they, every corporation has a, a co or a, not a uniform, but, but a dress code that that the yeah. employees have to follow which slowly is going away at least in today's world right well i mean beyond weapons manufacturing arasaka's big biggest business is providing security personnel and it makes sense that they're going to have a, a standard uniform uh standard look uh, they're going to be equipped with their well, own weapons. That that that's true for the, for the soldiers, right? So that's <laughs> that's the grunts of the world. That's the like the McDonald's fast food chains, the the uniform of of the employees, right? That's the the uh, sure. Roto Rooters, etc. Right. So the, so those are the minions that they send out, but. My point is, from a corporate point of view, um, yeah, you still have to dress in a jacket. Yes, you still have a have to. You have to look professional. Yeah, you have to look professional. Um, and, and each corporation has that type of uniform. But what I'm saying is, <clears throat> from a, a corporate dictation, you're right, right, a dress code. So back in the '80s and '90s. There were certain dress codes like you you like men could only wear white shirts with black ties right um that there was limitations even even on the color and fashion that they could wear uh you know women would have to wear skirts modest skirts you know and, and dress appropriately so I think that attitude of, of, of corporations dictating exactly how you're supposed to look in the corporation, at least at the manager level or in, in the corporate office, I think has changed in today's world. Well, yeah, I mean, this book was written at a time and it's obvious that the... Uh... Like the influences there from movies like Rising Sun and and, and things of that nature, uh, even even comedies like Gung Ho with uh, Michael Keaton, Keaton, yeah, <laughs> um, had a, had a glimpse into that Japanese corporate life. It was very much you know the day starts out with exercises, people sing the company song, and uh, it's very. It, it, it was very much a hive culture back then, so standard dress was was the thing. Um, as of course, as time has gone by, uh, these restrictions have have li have 
lessened and more individualism is expected. Uh, although, for the most part, Japanese corporate culture is still uh, still very monotonous. Well, I mean, each of and and I know we're getting into Arasaka, but it's replicated throughout all the corporate books, right? Is you'll find these same sections in every single uh, corporation that's yeah. presented. They were. I, I get what Artel Sorno was trying to do. They were trying to keep it uniform. They were trying to like almost treat each corporation as almost a military entity in the way that they operate. Um, well, I don't think it's... all of the corporations listed have their own security forces. Uh, if so, not all yeah. security companies. So, so there is definitely the, the military concept of a corporation, right? In which they, they had their own security and their own military. But you also have the concept that the corporation owns you and yeah when a corporation owns you they're going to dictate every aspect of your life yeah Um, they're going to treat you like property uh they very much want you to look and act the part yes and and at least from a cyberpunk point of view you really didn't job hop right so if if you didn't like how hey i'm forced to wear a suit uh, a suit and tie every day i'm gonna go find a company that doesn't allow me to do that if you're you're i mean uh, real adventures based on you know extracting some dude who wants to go work somewhere else yep. like but and, that's that's a big thing in cyberpunk is you know you can't just switch companies without being like a major drama right and and if you think about <laughs> leaving the corporation depending upon your knowledge your skill your 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 anything about you they they will attempt to um curb that as it were to prevent you from leaving with bullets, with bullets, or maybe you need to see our uh, cybertech, who will implant a uh, sabotage wire, so you don't leave, or you, you get blacklisted. Computer says you need to be reconditioned. <clears throat> yeah, and, and you know, depending upon your importance and and what level of knowledge you know. Are you going to be hired, be hired by another corporation? You know, if, you, if you're disloyal to a different corp, corporation and you have no real inside knowledge, well, you're disloyal to that company. Why am I going to hire you when you could be disloyal to me? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there's thousands. The thousand. 2020 was yeah. a crazy, crazy day. There's, I was about to say thousands, there's hundreds of thousands of people who will be loyal, who will do the work and not complain and not try to leave the company. Yeah. I mean, most of the people in, in the Cyberpunk 2020 world are living on kibble and fucking struggling just to, you know, 
keep the lights on where, you know, you work for a corporation, you get the good food, you get corporate housing, you get, you know, sometimes a car, depending on how high up in the corporation you are. Like, there's, there are people who will kill for that position that you're complaining about. Yep. And seeing as there's, what, a third of the population are zeros? Yeah. Wait, you, you, you're going to allow me to There's be... always someone to take your place. You're going to give me a sin so I can actually get a real apartment, a real job, in a safe neighborhood? Fuck yeah. <laughs> I will be loyal to you. I will not yeah. question your authority. I will do what I am told. As long as there's a roof over my head and food to eat. So yeah, getting back to the, the corporate reports, and, and like I said, that they're all laid out in a similar fashion. Um, so in the, the uniform section, they actually get into the gear that uh, the various uh, employees would carry or have access to, specifically, and of course, because it's cyberpunk, most of this is geared towards what the security is going to own and what the security is going to uh use <laughs> and benefit from so it, it's and again with any game system it's all about the combat with the pcs or the challenges you can present to the pcs yeah um the next section gets into the office and key facilities uh this is actually some really juicy stuff uh from a, a game or a referee point of view in that it <clears throat> talks about how facilities are set up and and how you can plan out a a corporation's research facility corporate offices in which there has to be some type of infiltration happening yeah i like that it lays out how how the different facilities themselves are set up in terms of defense access uh, just like what you're likely to see when you walk into the lobby and how it's how it's likely to be laid out from there. Like, uh, it's it's a it's a level of detail that uh, most books of this nature would ignore, but make perfect sense within the world. Like, they're a corporation; they're going to be somewhat uniform in how they present it, and because they're a security corporation. Everything they've got is, every building they've got is laid out like a fortress. Exactly. Um, Arasaka, they just, as far as the corporations go, their shit's cooler than, the shit they equip their people with is cooler than anybody else's. I'll just say that. Like, their, their guns are cooler, their vehicles are cooler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, even Militech, um, just jumping ahead. I mean, I don't know if you want to hip hop or hop, <laughs> hop between the various corporations that are in here, because um, we got about a little over an hour, and I don't. And I think we already spent half an hour, and we're up to page thirty-three of two hundred and sixty-four. Um, so just yeah, give, we tend to rant. Yeah, we do. So just give you guys a breakdown. You know, each corporate. <laughs> The original corporation books or the corporate report books 
had two corporations per book. Uh, so all corporations that are talked about are Arasaka and IEC. So IEC was kind of introduced with uh, the corporate book one. And that corporation is pretty interesting. Um, you also have Militech and Lazarus Group. So Lazarus Group is also was introduced with the Corporate Book 2. Um, it is mm -hmm. kind of a, a mercenary group, smaller than Militech, but kind of the same. Uh, yeah, it was weird that they bundled those two together because they're so yeah. very similar. And then the, the last Corporate Book was Petrochem and Silvoil. Silvoil, was Silvoil introduced with Chrome 3? Uh, I think they were mentioned before, before. I think they were mentioned earlier, but just in passing. Right. Uh, I want to say they were mentioned as early as Solo Fortune 1, but I'm not going to search through the book to try and find yeah. it. I'm meaning to back that up. I could be wrong. But uh, I certainly this is the only place where you got detail on them. I before, of course, corporate report. I gotta step away uh, real quick. My my cats are starting to have a little argument. I'll be right back. All right, bad you, kitty. Yeah, you talk about the corporate um, books. Sure. Uh, as we move on through the through corporate report one, we get to the we get past you know Arasaka's corporate structure itself. They talk about their resources, their stocks. Um, uh, the value of the corporations and their subsidiaries. Uh, but after we get through all that, by the way, that information is all top-notch stuff. And if you're running Arasaka as a main force in your game, uh, that's kind of stuff the GM needs to know or should at least peruse. <clears throat> as we move through that, we get to... Uh, um, an adventure at the end of the Arasaka section. Um, and this is where Yorinobu really comes into play. Like, they, they give him a, a blurb uh, in the previous section where they detailed the NPCs. But this is where you get to see how he uh, interacts with Arasaka. Uh, his his vendetta against his father, his, uh, his street gang, the Steel Dragons. Um... Am I getting that right? Yes, Steel Dragon. Sorry, <laughs> came back. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So this is where uh, this is where that all gets set up, and he becomes kind of an NPC ally, even though he's got his own agenda. And this is where it sets him up as the major foil for era for Saburo. Uh His brother Kay just hates his guts. His sister adores him. Um, but it creates a very Shakespearean vibe with how the family interacts with each other. Uh, and it's a good little adventure. Um, I like it. I kind of see uh, Tiger Claws from 2077 kind of like evolving from the steel dragons uh i've got multiple theories on that i'm not going to get into another rant but yeah i like this adventure 
Well, it also gives you a lot of background when you when you start playing through twenty seventy seven, right? And and the characters yeah. there to know who Hanako is and Yorinobu and understand why Yorinobu is strangling his father. Um, and the other thing that I was surprised that they didn't include in this was uh, uh, Michiko. Um, she definitely plays a big role throughout, even Mike's games, um, throughout the cyberpunk lore, you know? Uh, I mean, I think she comes in. I, I, I don't think she was a thing at the time. I think mm. she, uh, she was created later on. Uh, yeah, Arasaka's an old dude who apparently never stopped getting busy. Oh, Michiko is the, the granddaughter of Saburo. Yep. Um, I don't remember if it ever mentions who, who her mother is Kay hooked up with uh, I don't think so either maybe in red or wherever she's detailed I'm not really sure yep. um, I mean we know it had to happen before the events of uh, the fourth corporate war, because uh, well, like we like I said earlier, K is a uh, soul fuel. Yep. So the next chapter in the first corporate book is IEC, um, which is the International Electronic Corporation. I assume this is a playoff of General Electric. Uh, That's the five always. Yeah. So IEC basically is everything. <laughs> they they are mostly home appliances and home home gadgets, but they also dip their t toes in everything else as well. Uh, yeah, military applications, orbital applications, uh, IEC is monolithic um yeah if, if it's got if it's got circuitry in it chances are iec is is involved somewhere in there yep and it, it's interesting when you read this like how big it was and it wasn't introduced in the in the fur or or how it was introduced here because how they talk about it, at least in this book, is IEC is huge. I mean, enormous. They're like one of the top five mega corporations of the world. Um, and it, they really just being introduced now um, as. as how big they really are. Uh, the history is interesting because the history is basically of Colin Powell Powers, who really isn't that big of a guy in the corporation, but 
it's an interesting read because it's a point of view of how I think it was a, a story to kind of present how corporations work, right? Mm -hmm. It, uh, they were trying to they were trying to contrast Arasaka with a, a more normal like low like they're humongous and their influence is just unheard of but at the same time they're so ubiquitous that nobody really thinks of like General Electric or mm -hmm. uh yeah, I mean, General Electric is really the best analog for them. Because they're just everywhere. They dip their toes into everything. And I think, unlike other corporations, at least through this book, uh, throughout the whole corporate reports, is how much IEC is, is involved with uh, space as well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so not only are they they global they're they're orbital uh which is not not necessarily how other megacorps are at least per canon right in in the presentation well i mean they provide the circuitry for just so many industries that yeah, it, it makes perfect sense that they have such a such a big presence in the orbital community. Um, without them, like Crystal Palace would not be the thing it is. Like they they provide the electronics for NASA. They provide electronics for you know the ESA. They're not the only ones that do, of course, but they're one of the main one of the main driving forces of that technology. Yep. Um, and of course, the other product that they serve is like um, military contracts, mm -hmm. which, which I found interesting. Is every single corp corporation that's in the corporate books has some type of side business in which they're supplying security uh well which makes me wonder like why isn't why isn't that market flooded uh well because we keep demanding more money be spent on the military it just has to happen sure uh, it's foolish and self-defeating in the end but that's where all the graph takes place that's that's what makes people rich i mean it is, and, it but certainly is what made General Electric rich. I mean, yeah. they provide many, many weapon systems to the government. Yep. Um, and they also are very much into media, so uh, they have they're on par with the with the big giants. Um, yeah. So. It's definitely well well worth a read on how how big of a corporation can be, 
the main player, of course, is Eric Kessler. He's the CEO. Um, I was surprised that they didn't do uh, like EBM uh, with that and, and chose to do IEC. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen more corporate reports. Uh, EBM, Raven Microcybernetics. I'd like to see these things detailed out. Infocom. Um, some of the car manufacturers like Mitsuzuki. And, uh, I'd like to know how, you know, that merger happened. Yep. Um, <clears throat> the other big uh, players... Uh, of course, I mentioned Colin Powell, so he's kind of like a troubleshooter for the company. Um, Colin Powers, you're going to uh, Colin Powers. <laughs> uh, sorry, Colin Powell. <laughs> yeah, he's a general, uh, ex-general. Uh, yeah, who worked for uh, Bush? No, but he he is he's definitely the slimy uh, corporate. Who's willing to do whatever it takes? Image of him is so bloody perfect for '80s slimeball corporate. Yep. Um, and of course, it gets into <laughs> just like uh, Saburo. Uh, you have the CEO's family, who aren't always. All of them are not on board with what their daddy's doing. No, and the very, 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 very late '80s, early '90s glam rocker child of 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 well, got in, got to throw a rocker boy into everything. Apparently, always, especially basically uh, yeah. Well, when when you're a spoiled child, you know you're gonna go off and uh you know become a rocker or find some cause that you know is against daddy and rebel against daddy yeah um the one interesting thing i found uh, about iec is their cargo and how they do shipping of their cargo instead of using uh shippings shipping uh was it tankers? Vessels. Yeah, vessels. <laughs> they they use submarines. Uh, yeah, and which this, is this was the book that introduced that concept. Yeah, so there's these humongous submarines that are just shipping cargo uh, between nations, which of course prevents pirates from uh, infiltrating or. or making the pirates starting to adapt and overcome the situation that they presented with them. Yeah, it's a much harder it's much harder to hijack a submarine than it is a regular aquatic vessel. <laughs> uh and of course that becomes, you know, that's the main theme of the first corporate war source book, uh, Stormfront. Firestorm Stormfront is, uh, you know, submersible cargo ships uh, and their companies that control them. Yeah. As and, an aside. and it was interesting to read and read how IEC 
went away <laughs> because Arasaka during the Fourth Corporate War made it not only their purpose to fight Militech, but also to destroy IEC at the same time. Which Yeah, competing I think by I think by the fourth corporate war, Arasaka really does become more of a Zaibatsu and is presented as that. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Like EEC more than Militech is really their number one competitor. Yeah. And that's what I, I got a plan for my space campaign is how Arasaka takes out the orbital assets of IEC. So if IEC does not exist anymore, you know, <clears throat> that corporation, sure, you know, the, the war that's happening on, on Terra, sure, you, you can continually attack their assets in the sea, you can quote-unquote take collateral damage to facilities that are close to Arasaka's uh, targets. Whether Militech is also contracted by IEC to uh, help out in protecting their assets, but like from a normal point of view, you would think that the executive board—well, you think that the executive board would flee to Crystal Palace or or, or um, one of or Luna, right? So they have a base on Tycho. Why didn't they go to Tycho? And how did Arasaka? basically eliminate <laughs> I mean, all, all those orbital assets that shuttle was intercepted <laughs> well it, it's true but th there's you know if if the corporation is going away a lot of the orbital assets that IEC has need to be taken out as well and Arasaka was never really mentioned as kind of an orbital power uh, at least in canon uh, in most of the books. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would... I'd have to believe that they maintain some kind of presence. At least an office on the Crystal Palace. Yeah. Uh, as well as their own satellites. I, I can't imagine that Arasaka wouldn't have its own satellite systems. Yeah, so uh, definitely going to try to um, flesh that out in my campaign around that. Um, I'd be, I'm, I'll be very interested to hear what you, what that final product looks like. Yeah. So again, they get into the uh, products and resources that uh, IEC owns. Um, I'm looking at time and just want to push through as much as we can within this chapter. So <clears throat> you definitely want to read this. Uh, and again, just like all the other corporations, you know, it follows a very specific template uh, with these reports. So the last section, you ha get a scenario in which the Conehead Gang is introduced. Uh, and there is a illustration that... <laughs> we'll show you uh, some very gang. 
interesting yes interesting uh poser game because I'm, I'm not sure if it's a gun if it's a camera if it's a combination of both or what's going on but definitely check out that scenario uh the one great thing i like about the scenarios and all the corporate reports is they kind of flesh it out very well they they have maps associated with it and granted the the actual adventure is very high level uh, but the supplying of maps is always kind of crucial when it comes to a game because you can always flesh out content you you <laughs> as a gm or, or as a referee you, you always want to have a quick map that, to throw on the board and yeah and quickly point out stuff it's it's amazing to me how much like gaming max maps have changed uh, like the maps in this book, they're very much designed for theater of the mind games, where you know you just have this overview of what of what things look like. They're the maps themselves are fairly they're large scale, so it's not like you could use miniatures to run them, and most people didn't have, have like the table space to try and set something like this up. Um, Whereas now most of the like these would come with like gridded out battle maps in today's world. Uh, back in the day, though, man, we I, I cherished maps like this. Yep. Well, I think even in today's world, that you know, people, I think it was more or less came from uh, Dungeons and Dragons Third Edition, which. Yeah. The map craze or the battle map craze really happened, and at that's, least that's where it, where it all launched. And, and when even when recently with playing with Cyberpunk, I'm very hesitant to use battle maps. Um, yeah, because I'm so used to the whole theater of the mind and. and with cyberpunk, it's it's hard because you're always talking about cover, and, and you know I I have a a stat that tells me how many squares I can move in around. So how far can I move? Whereas theater of the mind was very fluid, as it were. Yeah, very abstract. Um, I mean, you you're you play in a game I run. You know, yep. I prefer the theater of the mind stuff. If if there's a large combat that I know is coming, I'll try and have some kind of some kind of map laid out for it. But uh, for yeah. the most part, even with smaller combats, I just I just run theater of the mind. Maybe I'll give you an image of what the overall area looks like, uh, yeah. which like, is always helpful because that you know cements in each player's minds what, what what the terrain is and all that. But as far as like moving miniatures around, especially in a digital format, it's it's a pain in the ass. It is, but you did a great job with those meth heads. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so moving along, we get into the next chapter or book two, right? Corporate report two, in which you are presented with the Lazarus group, and the Lazarus group. They are strictly mili uh, mercenaries. They have no other products that they serve. They don't create weapons. They don't make anything. They don't. Yeah, they, they're just a military 
uh, a paramilitary mercenary group. They're they're Blackwater. Um, uh, not Blackwater, but there was another mercenary company that kind of started it all. They were like South African um, ex-military. I know who you're talking about, but the name escapes. It's like uh, something incorporated. Do Do you remember back in the 80s and 90s, you could go to the gas station and they'd have like Soldier of Fortune magazine, which was just all about fucking mercenaries and shit. Yeah. Like the magazines we had back then were nuts. Executive outcomes. That was it. That's it. That's it. So, so Lazarus Group is definitely uh, executive outcomes. Um, however, they were not disbanded, <laughs> or, or, or sorry, NATO did not go after Lazarus Group for it. So, um, but yeah, so Lazarus Group was introduced. I don't think there was any mention in any books about the Lazarus Group until this one. No, this is this is their first appearance <clears throat> that I'm aware of. Um, so they're kind of like ex-Militech and ex-Army uh, employees. And they're... I made uh, I made great use of them with my South American source book. Yeah. Well, that flies because they are U.S. Uh, ex-military U.S. and and that's yeah. that's the key, right? You, you would think ex-military Europe because Europe is where Megacore, you know, the, the financial center. Um, but you know, us us uh, Americans know how to do war, and we do it right, as it were. Yeah, and it plus. Like the South American conflicts created so many disenfranchised vets that, uh, yeah, I mean, Militech sprung from that, Lazarus sprung from that. Um, untold numbers of edge runner groups sprung from that. Hell, Johnny Silverhand sprung from that. Yep. So if you want to learn about a, a corporation that is just pure mercenary, this is the book to go. Or this is the chapter to read. And again, there's um, a micro-adventure to run. More maps. Uh, it's basically an infiltration of a facility. So you can get that done. Um, after that comes Militech. And, and it's interesting that Militech, their employees are less than a third of Arasaka's uh, and l less troops as it war. So it's interesting that they would be considered rivals. I would think Arasaka would have been in a stronger position. I mean, that's that's been one of my beefs with, with the whole thing since the start. Uh, Arasaka is really a global corporation with I mean, they've taken over the police forces of <clears throat> Portugal and Brazil. Like, they just control the countries, like, all police and military aspects in those countries. Uh, I don't see how Militech 
the only way Militech poses a threat is strictly within the boundaries of the United States. Or forces they've got abroad. Uh, I, I just don't... I, I never really saw... saw them as being able to compete with Arasaka. Sure, they yeah. got a bunch of military contracts and they, they create military you know weapons and technology, but... Yeah, how how so global are they, right? On a much larger scale. Yeah, military or Militech always I viewed as kind of very North American, South American centric. Possibly China, um, just because they have uh, a member who lives in Hong Kong. So, some European stuff just from the the avenue of their their weapon tech right um, yeah but I don't because the the roots are from uh, was it uh, Beretta yeah that would make sense So they have some influence in, in Europe. Um, I don't see them being that big. But then again, you, you know, if you think about some of the European mentalities uh, when it comes to aggression, right? Because <laughs> I work in a, a global corporation and, and some of the messages that... Uh, the American offices produce we, we get pushback from some of the UK guys and and the European uh, executives saying that statement seems very aggressive and we want to you know be more humble so uh, again I don't know if the concept is even though Europe is the financial powerhouse uh, when it comes to actual combat and, and and you know getting your hands dirty does the European nations and European corporations turn towards America who are you know viewed as the ultra violent yeah it's uh it's definitely. Well, he said it best. I can't really expand on anything there. Um, the influences are are different than what you would expect. Yeah. And, and I think the other thing that Militech had going for it is it's not only that they produced... Um, military assets, right? Like troops as well as starting to get into security to compete with Arasaka. And I think that's where the corporate war kind of started happening was Militech was looking to expand to get into the whole corporate security uh, avenue. But Militech was also known yeah. specifically for its military grade hardware. It, tanks, planes, <laughs> you know, no, nav so naval vessels tied in, yeah, to the to the U.S. military. Um, 
I mean, they really tend to work hand in hand. Well, uh, it's not necessarily that they're close to the military. It's it's their their the military. They're the military industry, right? So if you think of like U.S. Yeah. boats, Lockheed Martin, um, uh, what the hell's that other place? I want to say Boeing, but beyond Boeing, they probably own Boeing. But just all that military hardware, um, which the United States is known for. Um, granted, there are. Germany, I think, has some good military industry, but America is well known for for, for their military might because <coughs> apparently that's well, yeah. what that's what we know. <laughs> Spend more money on it than the next like right. forty nations combined. So our um, our government is putting money into a corporation that's pushing out the the top level. Uh, military technology and that's what Militech is right it's the the accumulation of all the various uh, military industries and just consolidating them into this one mammoth megacorp yeah uh, and I'll say this like a Militech the average Militech troop is generally better trained than the average Arasaka like Arasaka is provides security mostly, and they've certainly got, got their share of you know vets from all over the world working for them. But with Militech, pretty much everyone in their employ is a vet, and, and they don't do security so much as they're a mercenary force. Um, Arasaka, you know, when they come in and do security, they're going to not be too far off from the police. Whereas, you know, the military or Militech comes in and they just, they just act like a military or, uh, yeah, they act like a mercenary group. Come in, throw their weight around and you don't question anything they do. Yeah. And, you know, reading, uh, PB or sorry PWB and D and E um, comments makes me think that you know Militech is specialized into one in, or or one product which is military. Uh, Arasaka has you know the three different pillars which is the banking, the security, and their their general industries right that arasaka got into and i think if you look at arasaka and took a third away which technically is what their security department is because their security is not is definitely not the big <laughs> the, the breadwinners of the corporation for arasaka it's just the, the strong arm of of the megacorp but if you look at the the two factors of Militech and Arasaka security, you know, they're kind of on par with themselves. And I think because it, Arasaka was getting into security or has security, like everyone's using them, Militech at least started trying to, okay, yes, we're military. Yes, we 